Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Midwest Hemp Council Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier. On today's podcast, we'll hear from Nicole Anderson, owner and founder of Farm Free Life CBD Dispensary and Cafe in Indianapolis, located in the Castleton area, a shop you certainly want to go and check out, hang out. It's a cafe. You can get all kinds of neat stuff there. We're going to hear from Nicole here in a little bit, and she will tell you more about that. But first, we're going to speak with Midwest Hemp Council President Justin Swanson. Justin keeps us updated on what's going on with the Indiana legislature and bills regarding hemp and CBD. Justin, how you doing this week? I'm great, Jason. It's almost Friday. There we go. Every time we talk, it's almost <laughs> Friday. That's uh, always a positive spin to get things started. Uh, but uh, but but you've been dealing with uh, with with legislators and, and at the state house here for the last couple of weeks. We went through a uh, went through the break there last week, and and things are back up and 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 going strong. So why don't you go ahead and give us an update, Justin, on what we need to know that's happening downtown. Yeah, so I think it's always helpful for, I think, our listeners to understand where we are in the legislative process. Um, and so we are in the what, what's referred to as the second half of session. So we're at the point where the bills that pass out of the House are over in the Senate chamber and the bills that pass out of the Senate are over in the House chamber. Um, so it's basically, um, you know, each chamber is kind of putting their fingerprints on these ideas that are moving. Uh, and we're actually seeing some bills uh, uh, passed already, both houses, which is uh, somewhat rare, uh, and that's a result of um, expediting certain bills uh, through the process, and and mainly, uh, Jason, because they're not waiting for, they didn't wait for halftime for the other chamber to start kind of uh, considering bills that had already passed out of the other chamber. So mm-hmm. things are mo- things are moving really quickly, and it's about this time of year when everyone starts hearing rumors that um, that the legislature wants to get out early and all this stuff. So uh, I try not to pay attention to that and get my hopes up. Um, <laughs> But we are still right now scheduled to end April 29th, uh, he- hearing rumors that will that could get sped up. And really, uh, Jason, probably the biggest thing uh, lawmakers are, are considering right now, again, is the Senate uh, has the House House's proposed budget, which funds our state for the next two years. Uh, and they're getting ready to uh, they've been doing a deep dive in that and kind of uh, getting their priorities straight. And they'll, they'll be uh uh, vetting that in committee here, uh, I think probably in the next week or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the, the biggest thing that the General Assembly has to deal with now is the budget. Um, we got official word that we won't have our redistricting data, the census data in time. Uh, so we'll be dealing with that sometime in the fall, I imagine. All right. You didn't happen to see my name in that budget anywhere, did you? Not yet. No, Not yet. I'm still working uh, on that. All right. Well, I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, let me ask you this, uh, completely off the beaten path. How, how many bills will be passed this year, do you anticipate? Is there an average number of bills that get passed every year? Um, it really depends on the year, because some, right, sometimes we have um, short sessions versus long session. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, I think we saw about, oh, off the top of my head, Jason, maybe about 30% of the bills filed in both chambers uh, ended up passing at least one chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind, so what kind, look, of, kind of number would that be? Um, that's probably like around 150 160 on each chamber wow so uh does when they pass a bill does that typically mean a cost like like more money do do bills Uh, ever save money uh yes they 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 do and i think really what what they what legislators try to do is try to you know either increase uh, market access to increase revenue to the state and some industry um but yeah i mean most of the time it's a lot of these bills are kind of agency bills so Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, it does, there is a cost uh, to, to a lot of these. What would happen if they just went a year and didn't pass any bills at all? That's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> uh, so we have, uh, we used to have uh, every year, we didn't have any filed this year, but every year we had a bill that would, that would get rid of the short session in Indiana. So we just have a budget year. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, and I just pulled up our, our stats from our Midwest Hemp Council legislative halftime report. Mm-hmm. So, so we had 11, uh, 1,011 pieces of legislation filed this year. Wow. Uh, and out of that, uh, 316 bills uh, made it. So I was, I was close. 31% of the bills wow. passed at least one chamber. That is amazing. Not just amazing about, about the number, but just the numbers that the bills that won't get passed, that, that they wanted passed, 700 and some that, that aren't even being considered now. So that, that's amazing. Right. And you got to take some of these numbers with a grain of salt, too, because, uh, you know, as we as the legislative process progresses, uh, legislators find new homes for the bill. So you could mm. pretty you know, there's a there's a 200 page bill going through session right now. So I see. although it's only one bill. It, it has a pretty big impact on on a lot of different areas. So how do the uh, which of these bills affect the hemp industry or CBD side of things? So we've already had we've we've had um, Senate Bill 201. This this is the bill. It's um, it's titled "Operating While Intoxicated," mm-hmm. and this is a great bill for for folks in Indiana who consume uh, CBD products. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it provides a defense if you get in a wreck, uh, you didn't cause it, you're not intoxicated, um, and you didn't refuse a blood draw. It provides you defense for having THC and THC metabolites in your bloodstream. Okay. Um, and and you know, as you know, Jason, people consume CBD products. Um, there's a there is a chance, uh, there's a risk that you will uh, pop positive on a, on a drug test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so really, what this does is protect consumers here in Indiana who consume CBD products. Uh, legislators are also very open about talking about uh, Hoosiers going across state lines or on vacation consuming uh, marijuana that's legal in the state and then coming back. Um, you know, and then you know, six days later they get in a wreck. Well, they're not intoxicated, but that, you know, THC uh, stays in your in your bloodstream um, much longer than other uh, kind of controlled substances right now, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, prescription pills or something like that. So sure. it's, it's a to me, Jason, this is an awesome sign that our legislature is warming up uh, and they're able to discuss ideas around cannabis and, and trying to really update our laws to make them more just. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and not not ahead. to not to split hairs, Justin. But 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 you you mentioned right off the top if if you have an accident and it's not your fault, um, this sort. Of, well, what if it is your fault? I mean, it, was that just something? Was I mean, it, it, does it literally say if you if it's not your fault, no problem. If it is your fault, though, now you're. I mean, is, is that is that is that splitting hairs? Does that make a difference? So it does make a difference. Uh, If I pull out in front of somebody, I mean, it's something I could do completely stone cold sober, stone cold drunk, whatever. (laughs) Uh, But but either way, I pull out in front of somebody because I'm just an idiot and 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 wasn't paying attention. But, you know, I've I've got, uh, you know, CBD in my system and and THC in my system. That does change things. It does. So um, like I mentioned, this is it's a term of art and statute, right? It's a legal defense. So you will still get charged whether you cause the accident or not. Um, but, um, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says it's a defense to subsection C, which is referring to, uh, operating a vehicle while intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And it says the controlled substance is marijuana or, met, uh, or a met, uh, metabolite of, of marijuana. So it only applies to THC. You cannot be intoxicated, which there's no definition of that. And as you, you and I both know, there's really no level of intoxication for having marijuana metabolite in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so that's kind of a, um, I think probably an officer's discretion there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the third point is uh, the person did not cause a traffic accident. And the fourth point is you didn't refuse a, a blood draw basically. Okay. So you have to meet all these factors to, for the, for the defense to, uh, to apply to your situation. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Does that help at all? Oh yeah, it does. It does. And it okay. also tells me you did, you know, if it's your fault, you better get a good lawyer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, this is exciting though, passed out uh, of the house this week. So it is on its way. Uh, once the author um, consents on the bill, It'll be on its way to the governor's office uh, for his signature. As somebody that obviously is a layman, I'm a layman. I, I don't know. You know, I, I see people have accidents all the time. We know a lot of people in Indiana smoke marijuana recreationally. They may not be. They may not have the effects at, at the moment, but as you said, it stays in your stream. So if they they smoke marijuana, they were in Illinois or Kentucky or somewhere and did it legally. Uh, a week later, they have that accident. It is their fault. Do we see a lot of those people um, um, that, that are getting charged because they have the THC in their system, even though, again, it could have been a two, you know two weeks before? I mean, I guess that, that is the point of this bill. But do we see a lot of that happening, something most people wouldn't even think about? They go out and drink one weekend. They have an accident three or four days later. They're not worried about you know alcohol in their system. Right. But as you said, you know, with, with marijuana, for instance, the THC is going to stay in your system. Do we see a lot of that as a, as a problem? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I've not heard of um, uh, any direct stories here in Indiana, but um, evidently legislators, particularly the attorneys in the General Assembly, have, have evidently heard stories like this mm-hmm. uh, from the prosecutors. So this is really kind of modernizing our laws and, and trying to be more, um, you know, for not to sound too corny, but, you know, kind of have better uh, justice in our laws. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we why are we uh, making potential felons out of somebody because they consumed. I, I want to focus on the fact that it's a legal product here in Indiana that could cause you uh, to turn into a felon if you get in a wreck and right. cause someone to get hurt. Right. So and, that's, and, and that's where we get back to hemp. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the bigger issue because it's great. Yeah, it protects people going out of state and doing that stuff. But more importantly, it protects the Hoosiers here who use, who, you know, who are consuming CBD uh, products in various forms for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would like this bill maybe next year uh, to go a step further. And we I think we need it's time to provide for uh, some protections to people, to employees who may fail a drug test solely because of um, CBD or THC in their, in their bloodstream like this. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think legislators are open to the conversation and it's kind of exciting to see um, kind of the evolution of thinking. We've had some turnover in the legislature, so we have some some new blood in there that are a little more open-minded. So it's exciting stuff to see. Excellent, excellent. What else do we have happening down at the State House this week? So, uh, and probably our, our, our biggest bill uh, for us is House Bill 1224. It's the Kraft Hemp Flower Bill. Um, currently, Kraft uh, Hemp Flower can continue through Indiana in continuous transit. So long as an Indiana farmer didn't grow it, Indiana business didn't sell it, and an Indiana consumer didn't possess it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the main point of the bill. It also, there's not many people realize this. We actually have in our statute, um, farmers are not allowed to sell their biomass across state lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think many people follow that, and nor is it enforced, but um, this is really kind of a cleanup bill of, of um, from 2019. We're trying to make sure that we're treating hemp truly like an agricultural product so long as you're properly licensed and, and follow the necessary regulations. Um, only but, makes but this, sense. Yeah, I mean, this bill is really, does, I mean, in my opinion, it's the only jobs bill this session that's not asking uh, for state or federal money. It's just asking for the government to get out of the way. 
do we need folks to be contacting their legislators still? So not uh, not yet. We've uh, kind of been in a holding pattern because I didn't. I want to make sure that our, our um, folks did an awesome job engaging the leg- legislators here in Indiana the first half. Mm-hmm. And I really just want to be careful to preserve the excitement and the engagement. Uh, so I don't want to wear them out. So sure. um, my uh, be on the lookout for a member alert for Indiana members here. Uh, probably sometime next week where we're going to detail our roadmap of engagement uh, for our committee members and then to all 50 senators. Oh. Uh, if we're able, if we're able to get out of committee, I'm confident we're going to get a committee hearing. Um, so I'm very, very excited. I'm cautiously optimistic. But uh, like we talked about the first half of session, Jason, this is not going to happen uh, if legislators do not hear from Indiana farmers and retailers uh, and consumers. Uh, that, that is absolutely key to success. So people should tune back in next week to get the details on, on, on what they need to be contacting their legislators about. A- absolutely. We'll have, uh, we'll have some nice, uh, a nice template, um, some points to hit on. And then more importantly, we're going to ask that you just kind of personalize the story a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, give some concrete examples of how this is going to help um, either the, you know, your farm or your business, um, and, and really just try to get uh, Indiana in line with the federal government's uh, definition of hemp. All right, Justin, anything else that we need to be aware of this week? Well, we got uh, obviously the March Madness here in town, here in Indy. Oh, was uh, that going weekend. on? Yeah. <laughs> so very, oh, that's very right. You're, you're, about... And you're perched right there downtown. How's it looking outside? Are we getting it, a lot of people it, walking around? I, I'll tell you, it's very odd. It was very hard to find a parking spot on Mass Ave last night. So ah. uh, I haven't had that for about a year. Right. Uh, so it's really, it's really good to see you know, people in restaurants, at the bars, outside. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good feeling, and I'm hoping, uh, you know, we can continue this momentum and, and kind of launch us out of this, uh, out of the pandemic. Absolutely, because 2019, it, it seemed like Indiana, Indianapolis downtown was peaking. I mean, we just, that, that yep. was the destination, day or night, afternoon, whether it was noon or, or 10 p.m. Uh, or later, nothing ever good happens after that. But uh, for some folks, that was the, the place to be. And of course, then it became not the place to be. So it's great to see NCAA has certainly uh, helped uh, bump that up, I'm sure, very, very nicely. But but it's, it's great to see that folks are back downtown. Absolutely. Um, you know, and in, and probably to close, Jason, just uh, um, shout out to our members. Great great engagement first half of session. Uh, we're going to absolutely need you the second half of session, so be on the lookout. Um, let's tune in next week, uh, and we'll all watch your mailboxes. We're, we're going to hit the ground running here uh, very soon. All right. Once again, Justin Swanson, Midwest Hemp Council President. Justin, as always, very much appreciated, and we'll look forward to some more bu- updates next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Next, we turn our attention to Nicole Anderson. Nicole is the founder and owner of Farm Free Life CBD Dispensary and Cafe in Indianapolis, located in the Castleton area. Nicole, how you doing today? I am wonderful considering it is storming and raining outside. It is awesome. I'm glad to be here. I'm doing fabulous, actually. Well, you know, it, 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 we, we need our share of, of dreary days, you know, just something about sunshine every day, which I know we don't have. But uh, I think, you know, I was in Florida for a while and that does get old. So every now and then waking up to a nice rainy day isn't too bad, as long as you don't have to worry about flooding and all those fun things that come along with it. Absolutely. And you appreciate the sunshine even more, right? Once the rain clears. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. So let's find out where you are in this, uh, this whole rat race. When did you, (laughs) when did you start farm free life? And again, tell us where exactly you are located on the North side of Indianapolis. 
Absolutely. So our physical address is 5361 East 82nd Street. Mm -hmm. We are located in the Castleton Point uh, Plaza, which is in the same shopping plaza as um, Trader Joe's. Okay. Um, Ross. So those are two kind of landmark points that make it easy for people to find us. And we're next door to the Thai restaurant. So whenever I tell people that they instantly know, (laughs) oh, I know exactly where you are. And so that's where we're located. So we're conveniently located, easy to get to, great parking, all of that good stuff. And um, I opened the doors to Farm Free Life November 22nd, 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just before everything went crazy in the world. Um, So it's been interesting. It's been a great learning experience and, you know, figuring out how to navigate during the during the pandemic while operating a brand new business in a nascent industry right cuz hemp and cbd is new to indiana um so it's been an interesting year i won't say it's been trying i won't even say it's been challenging i'd say we've been presented with a lot of opportunities to learn and grow um so i got into the space though interestingly enough really explored it as an option starting back in 2018 mm-hmm. And um, I was approached by a friend of mine who was interested in sort of the MLM side, the multi-level marketing side of CBD, right? It was just after the farm bill had passed and it appeared that everyone was trying to jump on board the CBD train. And so she had approached me about it and I'm familiar with cannabis. I'm familiar with him, but never really, you know, took a deep dive into it, right? So when she approached me with this idea, after doing a little bit of homework, I decided, yeah, you know, the MLM side is not really for me. However, in doing that research, I became more intrigued by the medicinal properties right behind the hemp plant. And so did some more homework. And then after doing sort of the the science side behind it, right, and looking at how what, what the research says and some of the anecdotal stories behind CBD, I decided to try it with my teenage daughter at the time. And she had been suffering from headaches for, oh God, maybe eight years. Um, mm-hmm. we, had lived in, we had lived in China for a while. And when we came back, um, she was 10 years old and she had these headaches and I'd taken her to our primary care physician. We'd gone to specialists and they couldn't diagnose her with anything physically wrong with her, right? So so the tip, the typical remedy of maybe aspirin or caffeine, having a, a soda, something like that, that certainly did not do the trick. Nothing did the trick. It, we, we would just, you know, we could remedy it in the moment as far as, you know, she'd pop a couple aspirin and it would help alleviate the pain, but we never could get rid of those headaches Mm. until I tried CBD. And interestingly enough, she was a sophomore in high school and she tried it. So we're going to give this a try. We played around with the dosing about a week later. She texted me from school and she realized she hadn't had a headache in a week. And I realized she hadn't come to me with a headache. And then she also shared with me, she's like, mom, you know, that stress and anxiety sometimes that I feel in school, I promise you, I don't feel that. And so once she told me that light bulb went off, started really digging into the plant and decided, you know what, this is a message and a product that I need to get out to the masses Um, because I'm a skeptic with a lot of things. So I, you know, I'm one of those people, I have to try it out myself Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. seeing what it did for my daughter 
was convincing enough for me. And so I just dug my heels in and that was in 20 October, 2018. And I Nicole, not to cut you off, but, uh, but before we get too far uh, away from that, yeah. The, um, the I guess the question I would have is, were there any side effects? Okay, she she texted, hey, I don't have a headache anymore. Was that the end of it? Were, were there any side effects? Did she have, did it mess with her digestive system? Anything else in her body? Were there any trade-offs to getting rid of those headaches? Absolutely none. Okay, and I see was- because right now we've got the uh, with with the vaccine coming out for for COVID, mm-hmm. a lot of people afraid to take it. They're afraid of side effects and things like that. And I think over the last few years, a lot of people that that I talk to, not a lot of people, but some people have those reservations about hemp or CBD. That well, it's not it's not been out there long enough to know what the side effects are. Of course, these people don't realize it's been there for hundreds of years, but they're still waiting to see the side effects that other people may have. So anytime somebody talks about what a great remedy CBD has been or how, how it's helped their pets with, with seizures or, like you said, your daughter with headaches, I always like to ask that question, and what were the side effects? And typically, we get none. Yeah, and that's been the case not only with my daughter, but every single customer that I've had, all the research that I've done um, on the plant, it I've not found anything Um, where if you're taking a regular dose based on the packaging requirements, which is typically um, like a one milliliter dose, is kind of the average that people would take on a daily basis, I've not found any anecdotal or scientific evidence that points to any major side effects. Mm -hmm. And that's why I spent so much time doing the homework. I actually reached out to Dr. Machulam in Israel, who is the, the, the organic chemist who, who, who's been credited with discovering um, a lot of the medicinal value within the cannabis plant, just because I was that interested in how all of this works and just understanding that we have been, to some degree indoctrinated with false information about the plant. So I had to undo a lot of that myself, you know, like, you know, wait a minute. Now, usually, you know, this plant is associated with just recreational usage. So I had to, like I said, I had to undo and unlearn a lot of the things that mm-hmm. I had, you know, sort of thought about the plant myself. And so now we're, my daughter's two and a half, three years later, she, she takes her, she's now a freshman at IU. She gets her product from me and she takes her CBD every day. And the crazy part though, is you, you mentioned, are there side effects when she doesn't take it, when she doesn't have that balance mm-hmm. from CBD, her headaches actually will return. Mm. So it's been sort of counter in the sense that when she doesn't have that in her system consistently, the 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 headaches return and what i have sort of deduced from it and i am not a medical physician i am a public health professional however what i have found is what i believe it to be is because the cbd helps balance her stress and anxiety i think her stress and anxiety were triggers for her headache so now that's kind of subsided the headaches have pretty much dissipated Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's been interesting. It's been very interesting. And and before we move ahead, you mentioned that that you were involved in the, with public health beforehand. What did you do before you became a, a hemp entrepreneur? Well, I am still in the public health space. So I have 25 years in public health. So I've done everything from 
um, the nonprofit side to the for-profit side with a focus on um, community health education and population health. So I've always been that person that has looked at whether it's looking at data on how different um, um, diseases impact communities. I've been a huge proponent and advocate for health promotion, disease prevention, particularly in communities of color. Um, most most recently, um, I, and I still um, am affiliated with Indiana University Bloomington, and I work in the global health space as well. So what I've done is taken all of that public health experience, all that experience in outreach and education and um, working in different communities and adopted that framework into the Farm Free Life Dispensary. So we have a huge focus on outreach and education because it is not enough for me to just want to sell quality products, but I need to educate people about what hemp is, how it works in the body, what the endocannabinoid system is, and just making sure that I am part of the solution and breaking down a lot of the stigma that's still attached to the plant. So you have people that will come into your shop, of course, uh, looking for answers, looking for solutions. Let me ask you about the health community. Some of the folks you deal with out there on these boards and these uh, these facilities you, you've worked with and the people you work with. Do you get pushback from the medical community, from the people in the medical community, skeptics, or are they tending to, do you see them in agreement with hemp? Do you see them seeing the benefits of it, or are they skeptical? I would say, from my personal experience, that I would say most of the medical providers and healthcare providers we've personally dealt with have been very open to learning. Um, we do have some that are very familiar with CBD and 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 already refer patients to us because we have a whole uh, healthcare provider network system that we have developed and continue to develop. So we we go out and actually take time to educate um, different healthcare communities, whether it is your traditional uh, physician. We reach out to psychiatrists. We reach out to uh, chiropractors, all those types of people, because what we're able to do is sort of categorize the different um, impacts that CB can have. And so we target those provider groups overall. So I'd say more often than not, they're open to the discussion. If they're, if they're completely unfamiliar with it, they've not been so much, I don't know, skeptic is the right word, mm -hmm. maybe curious, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they're open to learning. And then once we really start to educate them about how it works, the endocannabinoid system again, um, these just are things that the medical community, it's not part of their, you know, their, their regimen in medical school. So as educated and as well-versed as they are in physiology and anatomy and all of those good things, this is still relatively new. So again, kind of hearkening back to, you know, farm free life, our goal is to educate. So the, I would say overall, the provider community is starting to really open up to CBD and exploring the contents, but as scientists and as, as medical professionals, they do want to see the research, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we share with them as much of the research as we have at our fingertips so that they, you know, are even more comfortable and more open to learning. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned that you, you sought treatment for your daughter's headaches, and I'm sure that you went to a lot of different uh, folks for that. You spent a lot of time doing that. 
and the result ended up being, or or the remedy ended up being simply taking CBD. So, you know, again, a, as you get out there to the medical community, they're prescribing drugs and medication, and, and, and that that's what they're trained to do. And mm-hmm. so, so I, I guess, uh, you know, it, my question would be, do you see more of them grasping that, yes, CBD can be a remedy, or no, I'm not going to prescribe that because I don't have the facts yet. So, no, we're not going there. I would say it's kind of a, in the middle there. So I don't think we've not come across any providers that are – thinking that I am going to prescribe or use CBD in su- it to substitute something mm-hmm. or of a supplement to in addition to not a replacement of. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the approach that we have. We never go into a situation where we say, get rid of all of your, you know, pharmaceutical mm-hmm. drugs and only stick to CBD. Mm-hmm. You know, much as we are about plant-based wellness and as much as we subscribe to plants over pills it's plants over pills when possible Mm -hmm. because we still believe that pharmaceuticals to some degree have a place but we're not about over utilization or utilization when it's not necessary so providers are more open to cbd being a supplement to not a replacement of and so again that's our approach um in educating people however we have found that with some people and there's a lot of anecdotal stories out there about some about individuals who start taking cbd and they are able to slowly wean themselves off of certain medications Mm -hmm. so there is that well, and again, I think and there's folks out there that will say that, you know, big pharma is uh, is is one of the constraints or is pushing back because, of course, like you just said, some folks find there is a solution that does not require prescriptions. But again, that 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 is something that will, I, I guess, unfold with the more information that we get. But let's ask you to to to, to take off the the education hat for a moment and put on your entrepreneur hat let's Mm -hmm. talk retail uh again very fascinating you're very very you're very well versed on the uh on the medical side of things here and giving us some great information now we're going to go to the retail side of things i know we have a lot of retailers out there that listen to this podcast so you're not in a low rent district um, you're in Castleton. That's a high-rent district. You started right before COVID hit back in November of 2019. You said somewhere around there, October, November of 2019. Mm-hmm. COVID hit in uh, February, March of, of 2020. You're sitting in a very expensive area there, and <laughs> the governor is saying nobody's allowed in your shop. Um, and then, of course, there were different restraints uh, involved with that. So, you went from that point, you're still in business. So how did you make that work? How did that happen? How did you, how would you, how were you able to stay in business this past year? Well, that is a great question. And people ask me that quite often when, when there are stores and companies that were around far longer than Farm Free Life, whose doors are now closed. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it started before the pandemic hit. So yes, I'm in a high rent area, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I pay high rent. So before I ever signed anything, we, I spent six months negotiating the lease with my attorney. So it kind of, it kind of started there, right? Okay. Okay. I made sure that I had 
quite a few parameters and clauses in place to protect myself in the event that anything happened. I didn't know it was going to be a pandemic, but I made sure that I had things such as rent abatement, um, that there was um, build out costs and everything that were factored into the lease. So a lot of that hmm. helped because I didn't even have to pay rent when it, everything first ah. hit. See, most, pe- most people I- just, they, 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 I don't think, I'll, well, no, I, I can't say most people. <laughs> I would say people that, that just want to go out and, 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 you know, have a mom and pop shop. A lot of them aren't going to spend six months with an attorney going over a lease. So oh, yeah. obviously it paid off for you. Absolutely. Time and money well spent. There's no way you could have ever imagined a pandemic hitting because it's not hit in our lifetime. So there's no way you anticipated that. Yet you certainly set yourself up very well for it. Absolutely. Well, there was that. So there, I started with a, a great attorney. We negotiated the lease very well. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, that was, like you said, time and money well worth spent. But at the time it was the, I hate tedious work. It was the most tedious task, but I knew I had to endure mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. painful nights of reading through these law contracts. It was painful, but it paid off. So even when the pandemic hit, though, that we really ramped up our social media um, presence. We ramped up our no contact delivery. Like I, we started doing that before a lot of other places did it. Okay. And I think that was kind of attributed to the public health side of me, understanding some of the things that we could do, some some of the mitigation um, things that we could put into place. So I didn't necessarily have to wait for guidelines or guidance from the governor's office. These are things I literally wrote um, pandemic plans, kid you not, for Hamilton County 10 years ago, mass mm-hmm. prophylaxis. So I put together Hamilton County's emergency response plan for pandemics, right? So I was already well-versed in the mitigation response and recovery um, factors in a disaster life cycle. So we were able to put some of those parameters in place. Um, we, we stepped up our no contact delivery. We had free delivery. We, we tried to really ramp up our online sales and things like that. So that's really what sustained us. The, the negotiation of the lease, a great landlord, open communication with them, really outreaching into the community, um, to ramp up the sales side of things. And that's what did it. And so I can't tell you how great our customers are with, you know, um, telling people about farm free life and then saying, you know, we, we really want to be, and I think we are becoming a trusted resource in the community. So people know that if they come in there and get a product, we've done our due diligence to make sure it's as, as quality, you know, a great quality product. So they return. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just been about, um, being smart with every dollar that is spent and making sure that it has a return, that is everything that we do is intentional, and then just growing our customer base. And that's what we've done because you got to remember, too, the few months before the pandemic hit, we have events in there as well. You know, we have our paint parties, we do our educational sessions, our wellness reimagined, and all of that was halted. So, you know, it was just really about being as savvy and strategic as I could. Um, related to dollars and cents to make sure our doors are still open and they are and we're growing and so, thriving. So, and and yeah. as as of today, and congratulations on that. You obviously had a plan. You you played it well. Um, you knew what you were doing both on the medical side, well on the health side and the the retail side, the the consumer side. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it as of today, March 18th, 2021, we are one year and one week removed from the first orders sent down by the state and and then the government for retailers where, you know, they had to shut the doors and that sort of thing. So what are you seeing now as far as foot traffic, people coming into the door? You mentioned that you do the delivery. Is that going to be something you're going to continue to do? Did you build up a good audience that way, a good clientele? And like I said, are you seeing more and more people start to come back through the doors now? Absolutely. Yes, yes, and yes. So we will continue with our delivery services. Um, And because we have the cafe side of the house, um, we have amazing coffees and teas and like gluten-free and keto treats. So we actually will start um, making delivery an option through DoorDash very soon. So that's going to be another avenue for us to connect to, to the community for people who can't always come by for whatever reason. We've definitely seen our foot traffic. Um, oh, my God. It has stepped up tremendously. Like more people are coming in. More people are just out, right? So more people that are out and about in the Castleton area who've never heard of us now see us because Mm -hmm. they're shopping over at Trader Joe's or Ross or wherever. Um, We we have been able to slowly implement more of our um, events that we used to host. We still practice social distancing. We still require masks. That public health hat that I wear will always be there. (laughs) So I'm still making sure that my my team is safe, that our customers are safe. We still have um, um, stringent sanitation practices. So we still continue to do that, even though you know, we're seeing an increase of people coming through the doors. And I would say within the last 60 days, we've really started to see uh, a huge growth um, in our foot traffic. So we're excited about that. We're going to be offering outdoor seating this year. Um, So we'll see even more there. So we're just excited about the possibilities and everything that we have to look forward in the future. We're even looking now to do a pop-up location down at Circle Center Mall. Mm. Um, Now that we have, now that the conventions are coming back, there's nothing like that down, nothing like our model um, downtown, definitely not in Circle Center Mall. So I'm actually in negotiations now with them to see what a pop-up shop can look like. And and we're just going to see what goes from there and just continue to offer great products and great coffees and teas to the community. Well, that's fantastic. And again, Nicole, usually at this point, I'll ask the question, where do you see hemp going and the future of hemp, that sort of thing, or CBD? Mm-hmm. But I think with you, the question I want to leave with is, do you see a positive direction with Indiana regarding the rebound from COVID? As a health expert, a person that has uh, devoted your life to public health, do you see us headed in the right direction? Do you think people have made the, the, the correct decisions? Do you see us headed in the right direction? I like to think so. You know, I've been paying attention to the trends. I know right now Indiana's numbers Um, I think the last I saw, they're kind of stagnant to some extent, but they haven't increased because in some other states, those the actual COVID numbers have spiked just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that some people, you know, may have had issues with some of the the initial mitigation efforts that were put into place. But I think we're trending in the right direction. I think Indiana, I think we we're, we get it. I think that the, the vaccination um, rollout is starting to take shape. I know that there are people who swore that they would never get vaccinated, <laughs> have gotten vaccinated at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think it really still boils down to education. Um, and the more that um, the state health official officials continue to educate the community about um, the vaccination, about mitigation efforts, still the social distancing, wearing the mask, I think we can trend in the right direction. Um, I'm hopeful. I feel good about where we are. I definitely feel better about where we are than we were a year ago. Um, I think we still have to be smart. I still think that we can't relax too much just yet um, because there are there's still an, uh, a new strain of the of the COVID um, virus. So we still have to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. But I think overall, Indiana, we are trending in the right direction and I hope we continue to do so. And I will say I still I feel positive about hemp as well. So I had to throw that in there, <laughs> um, the direction of hemp in Indiana, because there's so much opportunity there. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will continue to see positive trends um, in the hemp um, industry as well. Well, an excellent place to to leave this on on a, on a high note on both sides there the the recovery from COVID as well as the the future of hemp and and Nicole you've been a great guest you you've, you've given us some some information here that that we don't typically get both on the health side as well as the the CBD side and retail side so it's good to get that perspective and know that 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 we still have uh, CBD and hemp retailers out there so that that's fantastic absolutely. All right. Once again, Nicole, thank you so much and uh, best of luck. The Nicole, again, is the founder and owner of Farm Free Life CBD Dispensary and Cafe that is in Castleton. That's the Castleton Point Plaza. So make sure and stop in today and see Nicole and her staff and uh, get hooked up and, and get taken care of. Obviously, as you heard, she can answer your questions. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. And we, we hope to talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. And that's going to do it for our show this week. If you'd like more information about the Midwest Hemp Council, please go to our website, MidwestHempCouncil.com, and find out how you can get involved, volunteer, and become a member. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember to tell a friend about the Midwest Hemp Council weekly podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier, and we'll see you next week, everybody. So long.